Welcome to the Art and Science of Complex Sales. This is a podcast where we explore how the best B2B sales leaders make the complex simple, drive relationships and revenue, and generally elevate the sales profession. In this podcast, we're bringing together sales experts, thought leaders, top account executives, buyers, industry insiders, all to share their experiences and best practices for navigating the complex sales cycle. So whether you're a seasoned sales professional, a sales leader, or just starting out, you're going to find practical insights and actionable advice that you can apply to your own sales journey. Plus, we have a bit of fun. Fred Copesteak knows what it's like to be out in the field in sales. Over the last 22 years, he has traveled around the world 14 times, visiting 36 countries, and has worked with over 10,000 salespeople. From this experience, he recognized what it really takes to make a difference to be successful in sales and outlined this in his first book, Selling Through Partnership Skills. He worked to build on that concept with his second book, Hybrid Selling, and this defines the way salespeople can adapt to a future that needs a multifaceted approach to drive success. Founder and CEO of Brindis and host of the Sales Today podcast, Fred is hyper-focused on helping companies solve their growth and revenues challenges. Let's get into it. All right, Fred, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on, man. Oh, thank you for inviting me. It's always a pleasure to come on these and chat about stuff that we love. Uh, absolutely. I mean, we are separated by, uh, I kind of feel a little bit like brothers from another mother. We we had a, a conversation before before this, and we just went on and on and on about the passion about sales. So I'm excited to get your, uh, really your opinions and and your perspective out to the world. So this is this will be fabulous. So first thing we got to do is, is we got to set the stage for everybody is, Fred, how do you define sales? Ah, oh, this is interesting. And I knew you were going to ask me this. So I thought about it and I thought, well, luckily I've written a book about sales and I define it in there. And that's about three pages long because I go into sort of sales, going back to the world of bartering. And then I look at sort of different levels of value and complexity that we see now. So we go through classic sales and there's a definition for that and consultative sales, a definition for that and value-based sales. And then uh, another one for enterprise sales. And so I've got I've got definitions coming out of my ears. And then I realized it's facilitating a fair exchange of value. That's it. Um, <laughs> I could have done it in a tweet. I didn't need three pages. <laughs> facilitating a fair exchange of value. Yeah, I'll go with that. Well, yeah, let's unpack that a little bit. So facilitating a fair exchange of value. There's two words that, well, three words that, that pop out to me. Facilitate fair and value. So let's talk about the facilitate. What what do you mean when you talk about facilitating a fair exchange? So, I mean, we're, we're salespeople, aren't we? And that's kind of who I'm expecting is listening to this. So some sales just happen. And I guess there's a lot of online sales and stuff. And they probably don't even just happen. I know there's a lot of marketing things going on. But I guess the kind of sales that we're getting involved with, it involves somebody who is making some kind of effort to help people understand things getting other people involved to help broaden that understanding, to put ideas together, to help deal with any problems or issues or challenges or opportunities that come out of that, that understanding. So that's what I mean by the facilitation piece. It's like some proactive stuff going on that's getting us to a point where we're going to get involved into that, into that exchange. And then fair, right? So this, this is a really big word for this, this program, I think like, uh, there's a perception in sales that we are 
we're looking to smash, right? So we're looking to smash sales as that schmarmy or always looking out for oneself uh, type of perception. What do you mean by fair when you get into facilitating a fair exchange of value? Um, I mean, we often talk about win-win, don't we? Which makes sense. Um, and so it's making sure that whatever we're doing is mutually beneficial. You know, both parties are coming out of that exchange of value, content, happy, satisfied with, with what that is. And it's, it's quite interesting, I think, because sales has this reputation, doesn't it, that, you know, we're trying to screw the, the opposition, <laughs> you know, we're trying to do, do on someone. But you know what I've found is that sometimes I don't think salespeople are looking after themselves enough. <laughs> Some people are so customer focused, they're like sort of giving everything away that actually it's no longer win-win, it's lose-win. And that's not sustainable. Same as if you do try to stitch someone up, isn't sustainable either. So that's what I mean by fair in that it's sort of we're looking for win-win and that everyone's kind of happy, if you like, because uh, it's emotional, isn't it? <laughs> that, you know, what, what we've agreed to, we're all coming out of that. We're all coming out of that well. Let's drive into the the last word there, value. So I've done a lot of these, and a lot of people define value in different ways, you know, but I think for your definition to get it right, we need to look into what's your, what's your thinking there. What is, what is value? Well, when you say fair exchange of value, and one of the things that I usually talk about quite quickly, having brought value <laughs> onto the table, is that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So is value. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, we have to understand what it means to our customer. That's what value is. Or, or as a colleague of mine, Mike, Mike Wilkinson says, it's a mystery. Value is a mystery. Our job is to kind of uncover that mystery, to solve the mystery of what they define value as. Okay, good. Now we can then start delivering on that. But we aren't doing that just for the good of mankind or because we're bored or just for the hell of it. We want something back for that. And as often as not, that's where we price. So that's value to us, that we've got some money that we can go and do something with. Whereas the customer that we've understood the value with, are getting the outputs, getting the results, the things that they're trying to achieve, we're helping with that. Value both sides. That's fair. We've exchanged that. We're good. I love that definition. I've never heard that before. Value is a mystery. Oh, and Mike's a great guy. I mean, he, he, knows, yeah. he knows I've stolen this. <laughs> I've nearly adopted it myself. I always, I always try and credit him. But my own personal spin on it's a bit weird in that I think quite visually. And when I think of mystery, I think of, I think, you know, the mystery machine in Scooby-Doo. <laughs> mm -hmm. I always get that in my head. And like, we're running around in this like Scooby-Doo machine trying to work out, you know, what's value, what's value? We know what it probably is. Yeah, it's like it's using the janitor, isn't it? In <laughs> Scooby-Doo. So we know what value probably is for our customers, but it's not right that we should tell them what it is. We've got to uncover it. We've got to solve that, uh, solve the crime. <laughs> I'm thinking for some reason, the picture just of Sherlock Holmes with a pipe, you know, just sitting there kind of looking sideways and just asking the few, the few, you know, key questions that, that uncover actually what's happening. Um, and it is, it's questions, isn't it? It's yeah. working out what it is in that concept, in that instance, which is, which is why it's, it's such a genius, um, it's such a genius definition. So I borrow it. <laughs> no, it's a good borrow. It's a good borrow. And Mike, I'm going to have to borrow it too, because that's fantastic. Because it, it, it really forces us to think about it forces us to think about how to sleuth, right? How to yeah. how to go about the idea of of serving and leading with with questions and understanding that value. So, how did you get how did you get into sales? Like, how did you uh, uh, make uh, this it's transition? A, it's a bit of a weird story. So, it was my first job was in sales. Okay, yeah? I was eight. I was eight years old. 
yeah. Child yeah, <laughs> Way to hear the story is not far off. Um, so the family business was a uh, was a builder's merchant uh, here in the okay. UK. Builders merchants we sold kitchens, bathrooms, uh, heavy goods, tiles, and so mm-hmm. every Christmas on Boxing Day, Boxing Day is the day after Christmas in the UK. We had the the annual sale, the big sale. Uh, when I was eight, I was allowed to go and help. Okay, so yeah, they kitted me out. They put me in this big old this big orange polo shirt because I was covered in uniform, but it's huge. It's not shirt. Yeah, so it's all over me a brown kind of warehouse coat i don't know if you have those in the states it's kind of this big sort of thing that people used to wear uh, again far too big for me and they went and put me in the tile store to help people choose these tile rentments to take them away i need to explain that the premises was an old victorian mill yeah so you can picture an old okay. victorian mill in the uk yeah. so a big stone building mm-hmm. it's in december <laughs> It's literally stone cold. And so I'm there with a massive photo shirt, massive coat on, talking to people and helping them. I didn't know that was sales. That's what sales is, if you think about it. I was was having the time of my life. I wasn't cold. I was just having a laugh. I earned my first commission as well. Yeah, What I was doing is when they were picking these tiles, I was writing that out in this little piece of paper and putting my name on it. (laughs) So in the end, they sort of humored me by giving me like a little bonus at the end of the day which which i spent incredibly wisely as you can imagine yes <laughs> eight-year-old wisdom yeah can you imagine what i spent it on well you're about my transformers gi joe's no, not even that sweeties <laughs> candy nice candy <laughs> but, but no i mean look that that was that was the sort of the first exposure i didn't know it was sales but yeah think about it, it was talking to people it's helping them it's having fun doing it and i, I loved it you know, and so maybe because, you know, family, business, always that kind of commercial element to it. I've always ended commercial stuff. So, you know, I had other, other jobs, other jobs and stuff. Went to university, studied commerce and Spanish. Got a job then into sales. So Australia Union into a sales job, into a marketing job, back into a sales job. And then ultimately into the kind of the, the consultancy role I'm in now. So it's uh, it's always kind of been there or thereabouts, some kind of sales or commercial activity going on. Yeah, we've and you've had a great successful career in sales as well. Uh, do you mind sharing a little bit about the later part of the journey? Yeah, what, type of, what I mean, type of selling did you focus on? Um, so when uh, my first job, it was with uh, an industrial company. So we sold pneumatics, pneumatic components, uh, engineering, essentially. Yep. Ideal for a commerce and Spanish graduate to go into. <laughs> I didn't really understand the engineering bit, but. I understood the people bit. I, and they needed me for some projects in Spain as well. So I was, I was using language straight up from what I was doing. And yeah, so I was quite reasonably successful in that. I, I traveled from kind of second week, second week of the job. I was, I was on a plane in Spain, working there. And that's always been part and parcel of what I've done. I, I did okay. I, I never really fell in love with the product. I'm not an engineer at the end of the day. But I did like the sort of that commercial element, back to that, the sort of the export piece, the understanding people, the helping them plan stuff, put things together, which is why I was quite young to go into a training job. I went some training myself, thought, hey, this looks good, good fun. Approached the training company, said, I'd like to do this job. They said, come and speak to us. I thought, yay, I'm the man. I turned up, they said, you're totally unsuitable for what it is you think you could do, <laughs> which kind of shattered, <laughs> shattered my dreams straight away. But, but they did say, your timing is, is quite amazing because we're about to put a job out where we want someone of exactly your profile. 
we have this this course, the Essentials to Success, it was called, the Basic Sales Skills course, which we want someone who's closer to the profile of the participants to run it. And it's a full-time sales trainer job, so we want you to come in and to, um, and to do that if you feel that interested. And say, so, yeah, that's what, that's what I did. So I was a full-time trainer for a training company, which is quite odd now because they tend to use associates. And, uh, and so I did that. We ran that twice, twice a month, a whole bunch of people, three-day residential course. Oh, it's brilliant laugh. Really cool. Oh, that's that's um, brilliant. That's one of my yeah. favorite things in the world to do. It's so much oh, fun. Twice a month. And then there was another course which followed on from that, which is once a month. So like three days every month, I knew what I was doing. <laughs> it was good fun. I mean, it was great. In the end, what I did though, I said, look, I want to move more into doing the in-company stuff, which is so going and working on specific company projects. So we, we work out yeah, the training they needed, how we build that, how we deliver it. And long story short, we did some work with a, with a client, which sold Mexican beer, group for Cermex, uh, sorry, Euro Cermex, part of Group Modelo. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did a conference, a couple of things for them. We said to them, you should have a sales academy. They said, yeah, we'd love to. And then contacted me and said, could I come and do it for them? Uh, put me in a tricky situation. <laughs> so I, I said to the, the trainer company, said, look, that's what they've asked me. The MD said, what do you want to do? I said, let me think about it for a moment. Fly around the world helping people to sell beer. <laughs> a millisecond later, I said, I'd, I'd like to go with those guys. He went, you know, thank you. Thanks for coming and approaching us. You know, it's the right thing to do. You know, go with that blessing. You know, what's the deal look like? I said, well, actually, it's to set up for myself to then kind of contract for them with a guaranteed like, number of um, days and stuff. He said, so can you come back and work for us as well? <laughs> Oh really? Oh, that's about awesome. Having, having your cake and eating it. I mean, yeah. Oh my it gosh, was pretty, it was pretty cool. I mean, people talk about yeah the struggles of getting into freelance to set up your own business. Mm. In that instance, it was dead easy. I was utterly spoiled. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it got tougher it's... later on down the line. I could take some horror stories later on, but um, yeah. from from setting up the sort of the whole business seventeen years ago, that was uh, kind of how I, how I did it. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, you're looking out for them. You're looking out for you. That I, that's a perfect. It's, oh, it, it doesn't always end that way, but that is a, that's awesome. That it, it, that it, 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 it ended I mean, to, that chapter ended to start Prindus. That's really cool. Yeah, and, and I carried on working with with the guys I was working with before. So it was uh, yeah, it was, it was it was nice. It was nice. And then that's seventeen years ago. So yeah, a load of travel with Eurosomex, as you can imagine, because I was literally going around the world running training courses for them. And since then, I mean, I don't, don't do that anymore. The structure's all changed, but I still travel since then. So yeah, it's so about, how many, about 50% of my time was away. So how many, how many countries have you been to? So 36 countries Holy in, in the last 22 years. Yeah. Wow. Um, Drinking beer I, at every stop. Well, it's part <laughs> of the job at one stage, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I had to. Oh. Uh, less so, less so now. I, well, I find it's a complete change now because um, completely remodeled how how I deliver training and the way in which we can we can kind of get people the outcomes they look for. But uh, at the time when I was traveling around, it was brilliant. I've, I've been to places that I probably would have been before. I've worked with people that I wouldn't necessarily got real insights into how people work in different countries and massive insights into sales, salespeople, and the challenges they have. So. Yeah, it set me up to sort of do do what I do even better, you know, because I've, I've got that that level of understanding. Let's talk a little bit about then. Uh, you travel the world, you you get to meet a, a million people, and you you decide to write a book, and then that book becomes two. So, 
what are the core things that you were trying to communicate in the first book? And then how did that, how did that translate into book number two? Yeah. So, so the first book, as I said, I've sort of been around and I've seen the challenges that many salespeople have. You know, I wish I got paid for people who said it's different in my industry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll be a millionaire. But when you look, you can broadly distill stuff down into three main challenges. So I've sort of worked out what these were, worked out the way in which we need to deal with those across the board. And I'd come across this concept of PQ. So PQ like, is the lesser-known cousin of IQ and EQ. Um, it's partnering skills. Because if we think like a partner, that will help us solve a lot of the challenges that we've got in sales today. It just changes the whole way in which we operate. Rather than to sell to somebody, you sell with them. You collaborate. And so the point that I make a lot is that consultative selling isn't enough anymore. And that winds some people up. But I say, look, it's a good, excellent basis. That's a foundation. But we need to move it up through value-based selling and into a more collaborative approach. And so bringing PQ into the way we operate, that's what will help us make that transition into a modern way of working. So that's why that book, Selling Through Partnering Skills, probably could have called it collaborative selling, but I wanted to kind of stay true to these partnering skills I think we need to bake into the way we operate. If we're not, how can we really kind of have that customer's best interest at heart? Um, so, so that's why I wrote that first one, 2020. That was going to be me, you know, like a band makes the album, tours it for five, six years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but of course, 2020, we know what happened then as well. What happened? Oh, yeah. A little sort of bug went around the world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and, and you know, that had a massive effect. You know, this is a serious thing, really. And I saw is it actually wasn't making what I was saying any less important. In fact, it's probably making it more important because we need to work with customers more than ever before. But then some of the changes that salespeople were having to face because the way that customers were experiencing change, that needed to be addressed as well. And I think, as I said to you last time, I'd sat and watched Tiger King, same as everyone else. I'm getting bored of watching Netflix. I thought, you know what? Let's do something a little bit more useful. Let's put something together which can talk about well, what the challenges that we're now experiencing that we were going to, but have landed on us here and now. And then some which are going to come down the line are going to come down faster as well. So that's why I wrote Hybrid Selling, to sort of sit alongside the first book and to give people a really modern approach to thinking, well, how can we future-proof ourselves by making sure we're doing stuff that customers like that's relevant for them and just doing it in a really good way. So Let's hop back to the first one. Let's hop to, to PQ. Um, yeah. I'm fascinated by the concept and I'm fascinated by how to leverage it. So it seems like... Well, t- just tell me a little bit more about it. Let's let's dive into this concept of PQ. Yeah, so I didn't invent PQ. Um, mm-hmm. PQ was developed through through research and then validation verification um, in the late eighties, early nineties. Uh, probably about the same time that Goldman was doing the EQ stuff, which is probably better known mm-hmm. uh, by a guy called Steve Dent. Uh, and what he was doing is he was kind of working with these big corporations. You know when the alliances were quite big. You know, I think the airways, when they were all coming together, the airlines, yeah, he was working with them and they're saying, hey, yeah, how can we do this stuff more effectively? So he went and studied this stuff. And cut a long story short, he's come back to them and said, well, you know that organizations don't partner, people do. It's people skills you need to work on. 
oh, well, what are these people skills? Well, this is the stuff that I've modeled out of seeing the very best partnerships. Here are these six elements which we can understand, we can measure, and we can develop. And so if you have people who are good at this stuff, then you'll get better alliances. The six elements are, first is trust. <laughs> kind of makes sense, doesn't it? You know, foundation for relationships, foundation for communication. We need to bring trust into the way that we work. And I'm looking at all these as we're going through and going, well, yeah, any salesperson should be looking at that, shouldn't they? You don't just need to be in partnerships. <laughs> Sales, mm -hmm. full stop. If you haven't got trust, then, you know. Second one, win-win. Win-win focus. Yeah, we, we just talked about that. So again, you know, we need to build that into the way that we look, both make sure the customer satisfied and that we're getting fair deal as well. Next element was comfort with interdependence. Interdependence, not independence, not rushing off doing the lone wolf thing. You know, it's about the way I explain to people this is well, two things. One, it's a team sport. So you've got your team that you need to bring into more complex and sophisticated sales, and you've got the customer's team, the decision-making unit, and we need to kind of match people up in that. But if we can get into our heads that our customer's success is our success, that is the best way, I think, to describe interdependence. Yeah, I want to drive your success, and then I'll be good for it. Bring that into the way we play. Again, mm -hmm. every salesperson should have that. We then think about, and I, the word I use for this now is transparency. We need to be transparent. Steve Dent talked about self-disclosure and feedback. So self-disclosure, giving some information about yourself. But don't expect the customer to be a mind reader. If something isn't right for you, if it isn't a win for you, if it's something that's kind of not really working, we have to say so. Equally, if they're not doing what they've said, that's when we need to give them feedback about what they're doing. Because sometimes it's in a blind spot, isn't it? And people just don't know. So having that kind of grown-up conversation, for want of a better word, being transparent, being open and honest, get a better way in which we can all sell. Comfort with change is the fifth. We're change agents. We sell change. We want people to do things differently, do different things. Now, we've got to be comfortable with that. Because if not, what right have we got to speak to people about doing stuff different in their world? And if we don't really understand change, we don't really need to, we don't know how to speak to people about it. So, you know, it can be quite, when we're selling change, I'm selling training, you're selling CRM, we get really excited about the impacts this can have on people. And we'll get really animated and talk about all this wonderful stuff that they're going to get from it. Do you know if that's brand new to somebody? They're going through the change curve that we all go through and they're probably shocked or angry <laughs> or trying to make sense of it bargaining you know it's just like grief it's like the grief curve so we can mismatch our communication so badly if we're not careful so recognize where people are in that change how they respond to it and adapt our communication effectively for it and of course challenge status quo because we know that's where most deals are lost so that's that's mm -hmm. well they're all piggies and they all operate together so yeah another thing we need to bring into every single sale and the last element is having future orientation so again Rather than always making decisions, looking backwards, and this didn't work in the past, and that's not how we used to do things, and that's, you know, it's like, well, where are we headed? What are we trying to achieve? What does that look like? What's the vision? What's the goal? How can we get there? What are those steps? Let's move towards that together. And so if we bring all of these elements together, this is why, for me, PQ, right at the core of good modern selling, sets us up to be way more effective working in a way which is just better for customers. And of course, better for us then, because we're interdependent. So I'm going to, the book, for those of you that uh, don't look below and see the link, is Selling Through Partner Skills. 
I'm just going to repeat these because I think it's really, I know a lot of people have told me they take notes, so I'm just trying to to help them with that. But there's six, right? EQ, let's see if I got them right. Number one is trust, or not EQ, PQ, right? Trust, win-win, interdependence, transparency, which is also self-disclosure and feedback, essentially uh, your word. I like like your word uh, on that more. I think it's more effective. Comfort with change and having a future orientation. Yep. How then do you go into an organization and that is ripe for selling this way? I mean, there's so many that that could be really ripe for selling this way, but they still are getting on the phone and trying to do, they're trying to pitch and make one call closes. And you know, they just, they, they're not having that success. How do you go in then and understand the elements of PQ within their business and train to it? Yeah, well, so this is something else first. So there's the, the PQ yeah. on one hand. And then on the other hand, what I did is I looked at kind of how sales has developed, how it's mm-hmm. kind of evolved over time. You know, and sales has evolved. So there's a lot of time and effort put into understanding how to sell well. Right? It's a big industry. You know, sales training is mm-hmm. a huge industry. And lots of stuff there to help people do it better. And you can kind of look at these trends that went through from sort of 50s through 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. And I sort of look at all those and I see these things and go, right, okay, a lot of that stuff's still relevant. But it just needs a bit of a modern shift, a bit of a modern tweak. Some of the stuff is horrible and we should throw it away because it's not helpful in the slightest, mainly from the 80s. <laughs> Bid it. Close. Oh, whatever. Um, then ABC. Take, oh, oh, yeah. Always be collaborating. Can we change it into <laughs> I like that. There you go. But, yeah, there you, yeah, go. But, you know, but the, there are things we, we're still useful. You know, 50s, don't we do process? That's what it looked at then. Okay, yeah, we want to use process. We want to use good, solid ways of working. 60s, understanding psychology, understanding how people think. Well, yeah, absolutely. We want to do that. And we want to use some of the modern tools to help us do it even quicker. Yeah, mm-hmm. we, can, we can understand someone's personality style before we've even met them now. That still makes my brain hurt <laughs> using like Humantic AI or Crystal Nose crazy. 70s, benefit selling. Yes, solid basis. But let's be careful because the shift we need to make is to not go on and on and on and on about product think more about the problem the product solving or the insights that we can give to help people think come back to that 80s like i say yeah abc and all that sort of stuff objection mm-hmm. handling but sales is still about a series of advancements so again how can we do that but how can we do it more elegantly you know, understanding you know how conversation intelligence we can we can listen to the stuff that works and we know how the brain works we know neuroscience we've got more information than ever to understand you know, how decisions are made 90s, consultative selling. I've said it already. It's a good, solid basis. That questioning model, asking good questions to help people establish that, yeah, there is a need. Yeah, through impact, through implication, through pain, if you have to call it up. But I think that's a little bit jaded. Yeah, Mm -hmm. the concept I get, but we've got to be careful with it now. Value, value value-based selling. It's a mystery. Okay, how do we unpick the mystery? There's ways and means for us to do that. Uh, Naughties. Um, it was, it was, sorry, it was, it was value tens. I talked about sales stature because I haven't got another word for it. And this was about projecting the right image, the right kind of um, reputation, if you like, that you are the go-to person that somebody would want to work with. Challenger. Yeah, because Challenger was one of the biggest uh, books of that time. So that, that makes yeah. a whole lot of sense. Okay. Yeah. But and also when social media was really starting yeah. to kick off. So mm-hmm. now we would call that personal branding. Yeah, but again, using that to say, hey, look, I am the person that you want to be speaking to. And then in the 20s, collaboration. So using PQ. So we can we can look at all these things, pick out the bits we want, take 
the PQ bits, and then we kind of bring them together. And so that's the framework that I talk about in the book, the value framework, which again, value in this case is an acronym, validate, align, leverage, underpin, evolve. That is how you can hang around your sales activity to make sure that what you're doing is conducive to what customers want. You're up to date and using all the stuff that, that works for you. And the good thing is I'm agnostic. So if there's something I see out there that I, I like, we'll pull that in. Challenge it. Yeah, that has its place. Get it in there. Yeah. yeah. So does spin. So does decision-making unit mapping. So does so many bits, which actually there's some really good stuff. Let's not, in English, we say throw the baby out with a bathwater. <laughs> um, you know, and we can, we can do that. So having that framework, that's what I can then use with companies to help them kind of map or judge themselves against that if you like and i could give a, a link to a scorecard where people can start to have a bit of think about that um and then construct training around that where we can make sure that we're giving information to people which is what training does but it's all about the implementation and that's what i've done over the last couple of years is to really make sure that the training i deliver or brindis delivers is about implementation taking the stuff using the stuff to get the results otherwise it's just knowing stuff for the sake of it so which is nice but it's not going to get you the results you want doesn't get you that far i had yeah, yeah no i had uh, a good friend of mine the other day she posted on linkedin she's like uh it was a little rant against the tips and tricks uh trainers which come and they'll show up and they'll give like three to four tips and tricks and that's your training for today for the day and leave and you know five percent of those tips and tricks are ever used so they they still become this mysterious tip and trick they're a great one-liner that never gets actually executed so dare your focus on that implementation is massive and especially around collaboration right i heard um if if today is the collab if the 20s were if you're defining the 20s as the kind of the collaboration and sales the partnership era i had a chance to talk to uh I'm just connecting some dots right now. I had a chance to talk with Matt Dixon, one of the authors of The Jolt Effect. But that's that's truly, if I really look at that book through your lens relative to collaboration, it's being able to guide them and help with that indecision that actually truly, that is collaborative. That has to be collaborative. They have to know and understand that the indecision is present and guiding them through that process. There's not a better word to describe it, I think, than partnership or collaboration. That's fascinating. And, um, and thank you for that that travel through time. That's a yes. brilliant. That is absolutely brilliant. Uh, that's so, my short version. <laughs> we could still be sat here stuck in the sixties if you weren't careful. If I was, <laughs> if I wasn't being disciplined. <laughs> uh, I think I think we'll we'll we'll, we'll stay in the twenties. We'll stay now. So we're going to give a link to this scorecard. Can you describe this for for everybody? Because we'll make sure people get their their chance to get their hands on it and and score themselves. Yeah, no, so it's uh, 35 questions, I think is in it. I can't remember any questions. It's, it's, it's about that. It takes about it takes about five minutes to do. Um, probably shouldn't overthink it. Just answer the questions. Deliberately, yes or no. We'll see you one way or the other. Which then is going to measure you on PQ, on each of the elements of the value framework. There's another little value, there's another little test in there as to your kind of values, which is probably a little bit selfish for me because I want to work with people that I know I can have most impact with. <laughs> um, but no, that's I, not, I, I, that's I, not I, selfish. That's just, it's just, that's just, that's just business, right? That's collaboration. That's, we get fascinated with demographics and psychographics, but actually where we can really connect with people is on a values level. 
So if we can understand what their values are, and there's just a couple of there's only three questions in there, because I know mm-hmm. if people are kind of quite creative, if they're quite adventurous, and if they're comfortable enough using technology to create connection, then we're going to have massive impact. And, and I borrowed that stuff from David Allison. Um, he's, he's the value graphics guy. He's done huge amounts of research on that. I've just butchered his archetypes on there because they're a little bit more elegant than that. But for me, I just think of them as cats. <laughs> mm-hmm. I told him this when I interviewed him myself, and he's like, yeah, I suppose so. At least you're using them, Fred. But yeah, creative, <laughs> adventurous. <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. Like, it was one of those. At least you're using it, but please don't be my ambassador too much more. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, but but it is, and that's where you really connect. So um, yeah, that's how the scorecard, bunch of quick questions. What it'll do is it'll then give you a report uh, based on each of those elements. So yeah, how you score on the PQ, how you score on the value framework, whether you're sort of high, medium or low, it'll then kind of give you some some ideas and what you can do about that. So it produces quite a big report off the back of it uh, with a bit of an explanation of kind of where it's come from and, and the rest of it. So it's, uh, I think the PDF's about 20, 25 pages or something off the, off the back, but it's tailored because the dynamic content off the back to give you a real kind of insight into it. And there's a few little freebies off the back of it too. Oh, we like we like freebies. We like giving out freebies here. That's good. Uh, yeah, as well, as, it's as long as you're getting some value out of it, so it's fair exchange. I think, <laughs> yeah, because it's helping people to think this is the way in which we want sales to be. So, well, and where do people find you? Uh, is it is it LinkedIn? Is it your website? What's the best best ways to find you? LinkedIn is the best. Yeah, LinkedIn is the best. Connect with me. Mention the podcast, please. Do that. Um, and you know what it is that particularly I said or we said that's, <laughs> that that made you want to connect and uh, yeah I can, I can then, if there's any specific question ask that I can point you towards something a bit more specific around that yeah I would love to have a follow on conversation you just mentioned LinkedIn I'd love to have a follow on conversation relative to uh, LinkedIn and partner based selling all the way from prospecting to the end game and account growth because I think I think there's such a good potential leverage for that. I, I love the network effect that LinkedIn can have, but I, th- I just think it gets misused and abused so many times that a lot of people are tuning. Unfortunately, they're tuning out the direct messages. So I, I'd love to have you for a follow-on discussion around something like that, if, if that's not it, but uh, I think that would be fascinating. I have some ideas around that and probably be able to say more in a in a few weeks, few months time. So yeah, let's do it. Okay, um, sweet. Yeah, stuff. Let's make it up. happen. <laughs> Well, Fred, thank you so much for being on the Art and Science of Complex Sales today. Um, this has been a fascinating, fascinating interview. It's absolutely packed. I'll make sure that I put down notes for everybody uh, so you can you can review and when I do the LinkedIn post, so you can review the the notes as well as listening to everything. And um, any last any last words of wisdom to to the sellers out there? Um, I, I guess it's how I sometimes describe myself if I've got 10 seconds and what I'm all about in sales, I just hope people can do this too, which is about having good people doing good things in a good way. That's what I'll talk to. That's how we should be. And uh, yeah, if we can all do that, makes sales a better thing, doesn't it? I'm in. Let's make it happen. <laughs> Thanks so much, Fred. We'll talk to you soon. My pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to the art and science of complex sales. This podcast is sponsored by Membrane and our partners from around the globe. Here at Membrane, we believe that B2B sales is at a crossroads. Due to decades of quantity-based prospecting, information overload, and really a shift towards efficiency over service and pitching over leadership in sales, customers are saying enough is enough. 
They're tuning out average performers and choosing to take most of the buying journey on their own. This results in up and down sales results, forecasts that are all over the place, and salespeople that are half committed due to the fact that they're having poor results and they have an inability to truly connect with customers. We believe the road successful companies are taking to combat this is threefold. Number one, training to create leaders and executives across all areas of the team with strong habits and sales methodologies that bring value. Number two, technology. Technology that focuses and helps a salesperson succeed and reinforces great habits rather than wasting their time on filling out fields for reporting or wasting their time on spamming customers that have no interest in ever buying. Third, talent. And I'm talking about talent that's empowered and emboldened to make a difference for their customers and their companies. So where are you on that journey? Membrane and our network of partners across the globe are here to help and to elevate the sales profession. We streamline critical technology by combining CRM, training and enablement, and more into one seamless platform. We drive best-in-class methodologies through our partners. They provide the top thought leadership methodologies and resources from across the globe. And our collective efforts are dedicated to recruiting, training, coaching, and empowering, and measuring the habits of the top teams in the world to ensure success. Join us at Membrane.com to learn more. And thank you so much for listening.